wealth. This is why the rich are rich. This information will make you think differently about wealth creation. Stay tuned. From Philadelphia, the home of the Liberty Bell, Financial Freedom Radio starts now. Here's your host, Raymond Jewell. Welcome, everyone, to Financial Freedom Radio. My name is Ray Jewell, and I'm going to be your host for the next 30 minutes while we go into some very clear information. I'm going to make this information clear to you today. But first, I want to introduce uh, our engineer, Steve. Uh, how's it going today, Steve? Hey, Dr. Ray, how are you today? <laughs> we had no sound there for a minute, Steve. And you didn't need to point that out, Ray. I make mistakes every now and again. Hey, it's a live show. Steve has got all these buttons and everything. Sometime we'll show you what goes on behind the scenes because it's all these lights and everything going off. And he's got to remember what to push when. And sometimes the wrong button gets pushed. Or sometimes, but, I, know, push, sometimes I push the right button and the wrong things happen. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So we're going to talk about what we talked about last week. And I've gotten some feedback where some folks have said that uh, you're repeating yourself. That's what we're doing, repeating ourselves. This information has to be repetitive. It may sound simple on the surface, on its face, but when you go to practice this, it is very difficult. Even though it's simple, it's hard to do. And so that's why I wanna go over this over and over again to make sure that we get these concepts in our minds. So bear with me in the repetitive part of this because it will eventually become second nature to you. So as, as we go through this, uh, this information, you'll hear me repeat imaging. And we're going to look, we're going to review what we went over last week. And we're going to review the, uh, uh, the financial imaging and, and why do it. The, in studying the behavior and lives of people, it's easy to see a difference between wealth, people with wealth and people without wealth. What do they do differently? The wealthy and successful people have learned to understand wealth and success as an image or picture. Somewhere in their life, they figure this out. So wealthy people understand that they can picture in their minds through an image what they want in life, what their wealth is going to look like to them. These formulations come from multitudes of sources. Uh, they've either grown up with wealth and understand what it looks like, uh, wealthy children have that gift, or they've at some point developed a clear picture by reading classics. If you look back in the historic figures, Carnegie, Rockefeller, they all got their formulations of wealth from, from reading. So let's look at, at why they do it. Historically, the wealthy have used their own imaging process by some, by some planting, implanting in their minds a working picture of their lives from beginning to end. They have learned how to do that. And they decided early on what they wanted 
and program their minds to that image. They, they didn't waver. They did, failure was not an option. They didn't change the course. They didn't become impatient. They stayed focused on what they wanted and they got it. And I found in my research, and I've been doing this for probably now over 40 years, that the mental image of the wealthy is always kind of changing. As they acquire a certain level of wealth, they may, they may change the image and, and raise it. Uh, it's kind of like a movie of their future that's constantly running in their mind. Uh, so when we look at the wealthy and how they do it, we need to understand that uh, uh, their image is constantly being upgraded. And it's fascinating to note that failure is never an option in their imaging of their lives. They assume that everything will go their way. And any obstacle that gets in their way, they view as a minor setback as it relates to the big picture. So they've got in their mind where they wanna go and anything that gets in their way they just, uh, I liken it to driving a car. If you drive a car down a highway, you're looking all the way down to the end of the road because you don't drive a car looking over the hood. If you look over the hood and you hit a pothole, your brain tells you you just hit the Grand Canyon. But if you're looking all the way down the road, you can see the pothole coming and you go around it. That's what life is, is the further down the road you can picture where you're going, the the less problems become major obstacles. They become minor obstacles. And you can see wealthy people as they navigate through all sorts of problems in their lives, it, it becomes inconsequential because it's in the big picture, they don't matter. This is where they're going. These little potholes don't matter. So as I said, the wealthy are constantly changing the, the image. For example, when they're able to, buy a, they're able to buy a new Mercedes, then they eventually say, I want a Ferrari. As their wealth starts to increase, they start to change their, uh, their mindset. It's a dynamic process and life is always in forward perpetual motion. Life is always in forward perpetual motion. And I'll say that several times. Life is always in forward perpetual motion. The world does not go backwards. It goes forward. Everything evolves. Evolution evolves. And so we are always evolving with our image of where we want to go. The wealthy are always staying, staying focused on what they want in the future. And as they get it, it evolves further. So let's look at, at several of the things they don't do. And one is speculation. Now you've heard me say in the past shows that the financial institutions operate on four basic rules. I'm not gonna go over them. If you wanna find this information, you can go to youtube.com slash financial freedom radio. And you can pull up these and you can get the past recordings and you can freeze the screens. You can copy this stuff um, as we put it up there. But 
One of the things they don't do, because they understand that the financial institutions are not their friend and do not create wealth, they are the wealth creator, is they don't speculate. I read when I was reading a biography on uh, John D. Rockefeller by uh, Ron Chernow. He talked about <clears throat> the book was, excuse me, the book was entitled Titan. And he was always per perturbed when he got sucked into speculation because he always lost in the stock market. And in all cases, he said he worried more about the stock speculation than he did about running Standard Oil. Uh, Andrew Carnegie was very clear about this in his book. He said, anyone who speculates is foolish. He said, one should put all their eggs into one basket and then watch the basket. But what do the financial planners and financial institutions tell you? You could speculate with a certain portion of your portfolio and all that nonsense. You need to not get distracted off of your mission. The wealthy people do not get distracted off their mission. And here's another thing Carnegie very wisely said. The problem with the American businessman or professional is lack of concentration, which means they can't stay focused. The American business person is so focused on immediate gratification, they don't stay focused on the whole mission. What you have to do, do as a wealth creator and what the wealthy people did is they selected what they wanted to do and dedicated their life's work to it. Carnegie was in the steel business. Rockefeller was in Standard Oil. He never deviated from Standard Oil. Vanderbilt was in the shipping business and then went into railroads. He was in the transportation business. And as you read wealthy people all the way through their history, they stayed focused on what it was they were doing. Now, let's look at creative thinking because these folks are masters at creative thinking. And the ability to think creatively has been one of the defining characteristics of all these great titans of wealth, all these great wealthy people that you read about. Creative minds are able to tell the difference between what is seemingly impossible and what is generally possible. And so here's an example, Eastman. You probably don't, Eastman Kodak, Kodak camera. Uh, how did Eastman know that there was a mass market for photography when few people have ever seen a camera? Think about that. Similarly, how did Carnegie know that steel, once sold by the pound, would in the new industrial world be sold by the ton? How did Ford, this is my favorite, one of my favorites. How did Ford know to stick with low priced cars in the early years of the industry when rival automakers in America and Europe kept moving the up market? And there were no roads to drive the cars on. <laughs> How did he know? How did Watson know that the future lay in a small branch of a small company that made tabulating machines? That's IBM. Here's another one. How did Revson, Revlon, you've heard of that company? 
How did he know in 1932, during the depths of the depression, that there would be a profitable market for high fashion nail polish? How did Walton know that small towns could support big stores? How, you can go through these, there's more. And uh, you, can, you can see, you can read them. I, I think I've got a few up on uh, slide six here, Steve, if you can pull that up for me. Um, and, and, you know, Ford didn't care that the United States had few passable roads for his automobiles. So he's selling automobiles and there's no place to drive them. How did Elon Musk, the creator of the Tesla automobile, he created an electric car and there was no place to charge him. And now there's charging places all over the country and I guess the world. Here's, a, here's the one you can identify with. How did Steve Jobs know that people would accept and pay the high price for the iPhone? He knew that people would accept a phone with no buttons and became a personal computing device that also became the standards. Steve Jobs hated buttons and he created a piece of art that now everybody carries around and it's duplicated by many companies around the world. So imaging and visualization is very powerful and it's used not just in creating where you wanna go in life, but let's go back and look at what has been, how imaging and visualization has been used throughout the years. The power to cure and train. Imaging and visualiz <laughs> visualization is a very powerful tool that can cure sickness. It's been proven. The earliest visualization techniques ever recorded are from Babylonia and Samaria. These are way before uh, even the birth of Christ. B.C. B.C. Histories of people from ancient Egypt in Babylonia throughout the Middle Ages and right up to modern times included accounts of healing and they all incorporate visualization in one form or another. You see how important this is? But it's very hard to do. As I said, that's why we're repeating it. So, so when you look at imaging and visualization, understand it is very historic. It goes back into the early times of healings that were based on religious or mystical traditions. And you can, you can dig it, you can go through many, many historic documents and find it. It's all through the Bible. It's all through the Quran. It's in Buddhism, in Hinduism, all through the, uh, the religions of, of time. They believe that matter was a manifestation of the mind. Many modern thinkers express the same belief. Swami Rama, I'm reading this, in explaining his ability to control his heart rate, blood flow, and other physical processes, stated that all of the body is in the mind, but not the entire mind is in the body. All of the body is in the mind. The mind controls the body. 
but the body doesn't control the mind. Fascinating. So using imagery and uh, visualization can enhance healing by creating a positive internal atmosphere, focus on a scene you find positive, nurturing and healing. And as you practice these techniques, you may all want to, you may want to also listen to music. It's meditation. And it's talked about currently today. So I don't want to keep boring you with a lot of this uh, techno babble, but it's very critical in understanding how visual visualization and imaging work and how important it is. It's important primarily because it's done today in other areas, but wealth creation. When you look at, at visualization, and we talked about how it goes through all the religions and everything, but where is it used in modern day? And we don't pay a lot of attention to it. And imaging in visualization, imaging and visualization is used in sports. Slide nine, Steve, if you have that queued up. So golf- Right there in front of you, Dr. Ray. Thanks, Steve. Golfers, uh, musicians, even Tiger Woods. Now let's talk about golfers. Golfers envision in their mind the course they're going to play before they play the course. And I've talked about this before, again, repetition, I once heard Tiger Wood in an interview where the sportscaster said, well, what happened on that hole, Tiger? And Tiger said, it wasn't what I imagined. Now, if you don't know what to cue into, you just let that slide. But I heard it and I thought, holy smokes, he's telling people that he's imaging this stuff before he plays the hole. So he now, knew how that what that outcome was going to what was going to happen and one could read into that and tell that he does it on every hole and so when they go his way he's already planned that but when they don't that's not what he imagined and he actually said that musicians they don't need a whole orchestra to imagine how they're playing in their in their in the orchestra with with everybody there they can imagine their part and image and visualize their part and i've heard stories i've read about them uh, where people will will be quiet with their eyes closed making noises that make no sense to somebody that's sitting there but they're playing their instrument in an orchestra they're practicing and there's all sorts of evidence where people will image the outcome and the outcome becomes true. I may have told you, and I've talked about this before, my grandson is a cross-country track runner and he's very good. He's like 16th in the state of New York. And I told him one time, I said, do you image the end result? And he said, no, what does that mean, grandpa? And I said, well, how, where do you want to come in? Picture in your mind where you want to come in in the race and constantly have that in your mind. And so he came in like third or second, and I was there watching him. And I said, did you image that? And he said, yes. 
he said, I imaged beating and there was one guy he could never beat. And he said, I imaged beating so-and-so and he actually did it. And I think he placed third instead of fourth. So it works, but yet we don't use it in wealth creation. And why? I don't know. I don't think we've been taught how to do it. And so that's what we're teaching here. That's why I'm going through this over and over and over again, because I want you to understand that you can do this, but we have to make it second nature. We have to practice it because you'll go on through life and you'll get distracted and you won't even think about it. So if everyone in this country were taught to image and visualize the desired result, the productivity in our country would dramatically increase. And that's one of the ways I came to all this. I tried to figure out how more than the, the statistics that 10% of the people control 90% of the world's wealth, what are the 10% doing? Why can't we teach it to the 90%? So that's what I'm doing. We're teaching it to the 90%. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's why we're going through this. So you have the same power and you can use at any time you wish. The power does not discriminate. It is possessed by everyone. All you have to do is use it. Thank you. See you next week. Take care. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. If you want to learn how to create real sustainable wealth like the extremely rich people do, or maybe you just want to sustain the wealth you already have, you need to check out Dr. Ray's new book, Why the Rich are Rich. Ray's been coaching clients for 35 years and has completely unlocked the secret strategies that rich people use day in and day out to grow and sustain their wealth, regardless of what's going on in the economy. His book is completely free, and you can get it by going to whythericharerich.com and entering your email address. Again, that's whythericharerich.com. Head over there now.